Hey, I would imagine there's some Christians out there that are happy, of course, thrilled and elated that they are in the kingdom of God. They're saved. They know the Lord Jesus Christ on a personal level and they're growing in their faith. But sometimes I also would imagine that because of that reality, some may have a superiority complex that they may even think in this in this thought process because we still have sin in our uh, mortal flesh this idea that maybe they're better than other people will come up into their mind and they will carry themselves in such a way that condescends to other people who don't know the Lord or who may not be as far along in their walk as they are. In other words, they may think that they're better than other people. And is that true? Is that is that absolutely true? Are Christians better essentially than other people who don't know the Lord, who are unsaved, who are unregenerate, who are on their way to hell? Are they better? So in order to answer that question, I want to look at a few passages of scripture to see how this litmus test goes. If if those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are in the kingdom of God, if they're better than those who are not in the kingdom. And so, as always, we're going to go to the well that never runs dry. And that is the holy word of God. Okay. So without further ado, let's get started. So the first scripture I want to look at that, that's coming to mind and some others may come to mind as I continue along in this discussion. I want to look at some Old Testament scripture. So let's start with um, the book of Proverbs. I'm going to go to Proverbs and I'll look at chapter 20. All right. Proverbs chapter 20 and see what it says. Proverbs, the 20th chapter. All right. So I'm going to look at verse six to start off. It says, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. And then in that same chapter, going a few verses down, three to three verses down, verse nine. This is what it says. Who can say I have made my heart pure? I am clean from my sin. Who can say that? In other words, did we, for those of us who are in the kingdom of God, those of us who are saved, did we do that or did God do that? In other words, say who, if, who can say I've made my heart pure? And the fact of the matter is no one can say that. None of us can say that we've cleansed up our lives by ourselves. No, we did not. We're incapable of doing that. And the reason why I know that we're incapable of doing that, because Jesus, when he's talking to Nicodemus in John chapter three, he said, men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. And if we do evil deeds on a habitual, continual, nonstop, wholesale basis, then guess what? That means that we're evil. We're evil. That means that we rebel. It's in our nature to rebel is not in our nature to purify our own hearts. You see what I'm saying? So 
those two verses right there, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 and verse 9, clearly tells us that we had nothing to do with our cleansing. Okay? So, once again, I'm asking the question, are Christians better, essentially, than non-Christians? And so far, it looks like the answer is no, but let's keep going. Let's look at some, let's look at some other verses of scripture. Let's go to Romans, the third chapter, and we want to look, I want to look at verse number, let's see, which one is it? Let's start with verse 10. It says, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Now, this is the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Romans to the Romans. And he is borrowing the language from Psalm 14 and Psalm 53. He talks about that there is none who does good, no, not one. And so that is what scholars call, and I've used this term before, but it bears repeating, a universal negative. That means it's all inclusive. Everybody falls into the same category. It says none is righteous, not even one. Okay. And then, further along in the chapter, it says this. I'll start with verse 21 of Romans chapter 3. It says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift. In other words, it was given to us by grace, by unmerited or undeserved favor. Praise God for that. Through the redemption that is in who? Christ Jesus, not in ourselves, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, not our own. Not our own is not in the text, but I, I added that sort of like a parenthesis because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. All right. So right there, Romans chapter three, verse 10 and following. And then Romans chapter three, verse 23 makes it very clear that we're not the cause of our salvation. We are the cause that made salvation necessary. So we contributed to salvation negatively, not positively. You see what I'm saying? We are the reason why salvation had to come about. That we're the reason why God the Father had to send the Son to come to die a sinner's death, a death that he did not deserve to die, but he was the only one that was qualified to make the sacrifice that propitiated or satisfied God the Father's wrath against sin. Does that make sense? So we're the reason why salvation and redemption 
had to come about because of our sins. So we contributed nothing positively to the salvation process. We're the ones that caused the offense that made salvation an absolute necessity in order to redeem us from our sins. The innocent had to die for the guilty and the the righteous had to die for the unrighteous and the holy had to die for the unholy. You see what I'm saying? So, and we know who, who's who. The unholy is us and of course the holy is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, so, so far this litmus test is showing us that we are not better than the unbeliever because we were once like they were. Okay. So let's go to another passage of scripture that comes to mind that will help us, that will amplify our, our discussion. And that's in the book of Titus. It's a short book. It's a three chapter book written by Paul to Titus, who was also an elder and, and a pastor. All right. So I want to look at verses. Well, I can start with um, verse number one. It says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Remember, Paul speaking to Titus to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling and to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Verse number three, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Listen to this. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Verse eight. This is this saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. All right. So I'll stop right there. So Titus is telling us that or Paul is talking to Titus, his protege or his son in the faith, that our salvation didn't come as a result of our own righteousness or our own good deeds but because we were extended mercy and we were washed by the regeneration uh, and renewal by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the one that regenerates us or causes us to be born again or to be born anew. So when we come to Christ, that's a new birth. We're new people in Christ Jesus and the old man, the way that we used to live, is buried in the grave. And we have to keep that old man there because that's the man of sin. That's the man of ungeneration that's the man that is the that that's that's the body of death and now we've been raised into newness of life so as the litmus test goes like I said we were once like I said disobedient led astray slaves to various passions and lusts passing our days in malice says and envy and, and being hated by people and hating other people. 
But then the wonderful contrast says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us. He saved us. We didn't save ourselves. And he said he did it not by works of righteousness that we've done, but according to his own mercy, God extended to us that which we did not deserve. And God also, by giving us mercy, he didn't do to us what we did deserve. That was judgment. So grace and mercy are bookends. They go together. Grace is unmerited favor. God giving us what we don't deserve. And mercy is not giving us what we do deserve. Okay. So that's that's how those blessed uh, dynamics uh, work. So as we go continue through this litmus, litmus test is that there's nowhere in scripture where it says that Christians are better than non-Christians. So what's the benefit? What is what gives us? Is there any advantage to being a believer over a non-believer? Absolutely. The difference, the marked difference is that believers are not better essentially or pound for pound. We're no better than anybody else because we were born in sin just like everybody else. The difference is that we are eternally better off than the non-believer because the non-believers destination is hell and our destination is heaven. And the non-believer, while he or she lives on this earth currently, does not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ or with the father. They may think they have a relationship, but they don't have a relationship. Think about it like this on a natural level. I have no obligation or responsibility for a child that's not mine. Now, I can show a, a, a child kindness and hospitality and help them out in some kind of way, but I have no legal or moral responsibility to take care of somebody else's children. You, you follow what I'm saying? Here's a point that I'm making. Those who do not know the Lord, the devil is their father. And Jesus said that. I can prove that. He's, he, he told the religious leaders in John chapter 8, verse 44, he says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of the lust of your father, you do. And he said, he says, he's a murderer and he's a liar. And he says, he's the father of liars. He says, um, he does not abide in the truth because there's no truth in him. He says, when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own nature or resources for he is a liar and the father of liars. So if God is not your father, if Jesus is not your savior, if the Holy Spirit is not dwelling on the inside of you, in other words, you don't have any connection with the triune God, then the devil is your daddy. And like I said, I can prove that by the scripture. It also talks about people who belong to the devil being called the sons of disobedience. Sons of obedience belong to the father God, but sons of disobedience belong to the devil. And so the point that I am driving home here is that God is not obligated to take care of the devil's children because they're the devil's children. Now, the thing, the wonderful thing is, is that God is trying to lure you <laughs> to not be 
a child of the devil and become one of his children. He wants that for you, but you have to want that for yourself. But you cannot do that on your own. You don't have the moral fiber. You cannot incline yourself to, from being faithless to being faithful. You're not you're not going to incline yourself on your own to go from wickedness to righteousness. You're totally spiritually and morally bankrupt. You don't have the resources. You don't have the the desire to do that. You follow what I'm saying? Our desire is bent toward evil. Our proclivities is bent toward evil, not toward righteousness, because our nature is wrong and we need to be partakers of the divine nature. And in order to do that, the, the only way that that can happen is a person has to turn to the Lord in true brokenness and contrition and repent of sin and trust Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary's cross some 20 centuries ago. Does that make sense? It should. So yet again, is the Christian better essentially than the non-Christian? And the answer is an emphatic no, but the reality is that the Christian is eternally better off than the non-Christian. That part is true and will always remain true. Here's the good news for those of you who do not know the Lord. You can know the Lord today and right now. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn away from your sin. Ask God to forgive you and to, gr and, 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 and to grant you entrance into his kingdom today, right now, and he'll do it. You have to trust and believe that's what the Bible teaches. This is what, this is what it says, as a matter of fact. Let me go to Romans chapter 9. For you, or Romans chapter 10, I think it is. Romans, the book of Romans, hold on. We're just there, I'm going back there. It says this, here it is. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. But the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I've given you the word of God. I've told you what you have to do. Now it's on you to do it. And I urge you. I plead with you. I beg you. I, you know, I, I implore you. Turn to God. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. If you hear his voice, beloved, do not harden your heart. And if you do make the right decision for your life and for the salvation of your soul forever, then you can say that, no, I'm not better than my friend or my enemy that does not know you, but I am eternally better off. And therein lies the difference. Brother Delph, Gospel of Repentance Ministries. Hey, listen, real quick, if you want to get my brand new book, The Goodness of God and the Reality of Evil, Why Do They Coexist? You can go to my brand new website. It is delvinrarnold.com. Once again, that's delvinrarnold.com. First name spelled D E L. V is in Victor, I N, the letter R, and the last name Arnold.com. I have books available. And if I sell out, 
then uh, don't worry about that. You can also capture the book. You can get the book today, right now on Amazon.com. All right. God bless you till next time.